Cincinnati. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that, um, oh I don't know, what do we do? Who are we? What are we doing this for? What's the point in everything? I don't know. As you can hear, I'm in the middle of a full-blown existential crisis and normally it doesn't take a last-second heartbreaking defeat to the Pittsburgh Steelers, another one to to kind of throw me into existentialism, but um, it is tonight, obviously. It's all a bit depressing, isn't it? Um, mine, I tell you who I am. I do have a, still some sort of sense of identity going on. My name is Paul Hirons, and this week... Things are a little bit different apart from the obvious. We keep losing to the bloody Steelers in the last minute. Um, I am in the sewing room this week, although the sewing room is actually quite different. Um, My landlady, Ingrid, is kind of moving stuff around the house. She's created a new sewing room upstairs, uh, which is, I don't know... I don't think she's aware of the the global significance of uh, the sewing room to Cincinnati Bengals fans around the world. I'm going to have to have a bit of a word with her. But I am sitting here in the room that was once the sewing room, but to me will always be the sewing room. So therefore, I'm going to keep calling it the sewing room. I hope that's nice and clear. Um, the other different thing is that I'm on my own this week, which is sort of scary, both for me and for you, obviously. Um uh, because my usual partner in crime, Nathan Palmer, uh, the geezer, the solid handle, is still out in Los Angeles sunning himself. Uh, and the rumour is, I've heard a rumour on the grapevine, I've got a few contacts out there, and um, I hope to make it as a, a WWF wrestler, especially uh, a suplex king, as Nathan would have it. Um, but the rumour is that he's been he's approached an agent uh, on his own, because, uh, demanding to make it in Hollywood and become the next Vinnie Jones, the sort of cockney villain in uh, adventure movies, which I think uh, I think they've just sort of laughed him out of, t- out of town, really. Um, poor old Nathan. He'll be back next week. We'll give him a bit of TLC. He'll, he'll come back. He, kn- he knows what's good for him, basically. And that is the bosom, the warm bosom, bosoms of, uh, of uh, Cincinnati. So hopefully Nathan will be back next week. So it is just me, a bottle of red wine, because it is... Uh, a bit more of a classier affair while Nathan's not here. Um, a bottle of... Ro- actually, I'm actually kind of balancing that out. I've got a cheese and onion pasta in a bag of skips. So, you know, it does balance things out, I, li- I like to think. Uh, me, a bottle of red wine. My heartache from last night's crushing last second loss to the Steelers. Uh, where have we heard that before? And uh, the aforementioned excellent snacks. So uh, I do cut a very sad and lonely figure. Um, but before the prospect of me wittering on for about half an hour or so makes you tune out immediately, there is some hope. Stick with it, honestly. Um, I'll be asking a few British Bengals fans to join me during the show, so it won't be just me. Now, full disclosure, again, I missed the game live yesterday. Uh, I didn't play a blinder. I committed a schoolboy error. I managed to get tickets for the Raiders-Seahawks game. Uh, which are great, actually. Well, no, it was an amazing game, but it was obviously great to be at Wembley, although I do have my issues with Wembley, and I'm not going to bore you on, bore you with them during this. Um, but uh, it was great, you know, seeing the Raiders play, one of the, one of the most kind of iconic teams in the NFL, and the Raiders Pirates song blaring from the speakers, amazing. And 
Seattle, who looked actually pretty good, although the Raiders looked really bad. And I'm telling you all this now. If they continue to implode like they're doing, there was no energy on the sidelines before the kickoff. The Seattle team were in their huddles, kind of bouncing up and down. There's real energy on that sideline. Obviously, Pete Carroll, kind of with his kind of little birdie, thin legs, kind of stalks the touchline and he's low fiving all the players. They come off the field. He actually goes on the. The field to sort of congratulate his players after a big play. He's got terrific energy. On the other side of things, um, it was kind of there was no energy. <laughs> there was no energy apart from Marshawn Lynch, who you know played as hard as he could. There was nothing going on but the rent over there. Uh, they looked a disconsolate bunch on that sideline. I must say, even before kickoff, um, and you know the lesser spotted. Former Bengals, I mean, Reggie played pretty much all that game, but I didn't spot LaFell too much. I tried to look for Paulie G on the sideline, but I think he was hiding a little bit because the Seahawks were absolutely trouncing them. So, yes, I think it will put a W in the books for when we play the Raiders a bit later on in the season. But we have to talk about yesterday, right? That um, crushing defeat. I keep using that word, but it was, right? It was an absolute crusher. The kind of defeat that only the Steelers can meet out to us, you know. And um, I have to say, you know, before we get into everything, I have to say, and this is not going to be popular, but fair play to the Steelers. They, they, Their call on the touchdown pass, again, we'll come on to that in a little while, was a fantastic call. You know, they called, they, you know, they saw it was cover zero, the middle of the field was going to be wide open. It was just a case of getting the ball to Antonio Brown on a quick slant and banjo he's in. Um, so, you know, and I think that's part of the reason why I certainly hate the Steelers. Um, not the whole reason, obviously, but part of the reason is because they just come through in big games. They know how to win. Uh, they play right on that line and by fair means or foul, they win the game. They win the big games. Um, well, they certainly beat us anyway. So um, it was an obvious heartbreaker. I watched it this evening, and um, obviously I knew the score, but it was. I mean, we didn't play badly. We kept our emotions in check for the most part, um, and we played pretty well, even though we kind of struggled a little bit on offense. I thought, um, certainly in terms of chunk plays. I mean, the Steelers are racking up the yards really, and like. You know, we still can't cover tight ends, and the Steelers knew that, so they completely exploited that. So their game plan was sound. Our game plan, you know, defensively, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. But, however, um, a real heartbreaker again, and um, and again, you know, <laughs> a game against the Steelers. There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to talk about. There was a lot of incident. Um, so I'm not going to do that on my own. Obviously, I'm gutted. Uh, we've got a lot of correspondence to get through, so I'm going to bring in uh, my first guest this evening, and we can talk about it a bit more. So yes, my first guest this evening is f- all the way from Sheffield, and he's joining us from the Steel City. It's Peter Danswell. Pete, how you doing? Yeah, not so bad, not so bad. Who day? Who day to you? Uh, you sound a bit positive. Are you today? What's today been like for you? Well, I, I, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm usually a positive <laughs> person, and I, I'm trying to allow that positivity to, cut, to come out, but, but it's been difficult today, I can't deny. So, I mean, 
did you think there was because to me there were some pivotal moments in that game and we we managed to stay toe to toe to them even though we were having our issues you know that their defensive line was getting to Dalton a little bit our defensive line wasn't getting to Roethlisberger at all uh, it seems that, that's the key that's uh, yeah I mean, but I was going to say we seem to again have lost those really kind of pivotal moments through a game yeah would you yeah. agree with yeah. that yeah I mean we start off in the offences working well. We finish off with the offence working well. Everything in between just failed. Yeah. And as I said, I, I try and be positive. The positivity I take from it is that we underperformed, significantly underperformed from what we know just from this season, mm. how we can play. And, and for three quarters of the game, we just didn't perform. I, I, at one point, I tweeted that uh, it was um, the offence was a bit like the... Um, inept op, um, 2017 right. offense at times. We just couldn't move the ball, mm. and yet it came down to the final possession. Yeah, and that's the positivity that you know the Steelers side. Then I said they've got talent there, mm. and yet they couldn't put us away. Yeah, uh, we stuck with it. Our defense just unfortunately just had a bad game. Coverage was better than it has been in previous games. Mm. But we're just not making, uh, taking the chances. How many interception opportunities have we missed in the yeah. secondary this, this season? And there was two or three last night. And then, and then ultimately, for me, this is the big key. Our vaunted, much vaunted um, defensive line, all those pass rushes, um, uh, sack city, as I think I described it in, um, in the preseason, uh, um, that I thought we would have. They didn't get anywhere near no. Big Ben. The, the offensive line of Steelers shut us down. We never laid a finger on the crying quarterback. No, is the, absolutely, I agree. But I th- do you mitigate that by saying that you know the Steelers' offensive line has been by far the best offensive line? You know, they could be the best offensive line in the NFL. Do you? Is there uh, yeah. any kind of excuse um, for that? Or? Yeah, I mean, especially with the the Dallas one having gone backwards through injury. Yes, that's probably the case. But you still expect, especially with the likes of uh, Dunlap, Gino, um, Lawson. I mean, where was Lawson? Mm. Lawson had less defensive. I mean, was he injured? Uh, I don't remember seeing him injured, but he had less defensive snaps than than, than Willis and Tupper. I just don't didn't understand the um, the rotation. But we have all these pass rushes, and we never laid a single hand on him. There were no pressures, no hurries, no nothing. Yes, a good offensive line, mm. but you've got to expect more than that. And ultimately, that was the difference. Um, yes, um, Connor ran and ran well. Their offensive line created gaps for him to run, and they've stopped our pass rush. Mm. So that Ben was able to throw it all over the park. And yeah. there was too much pressure on our secondary. And, and, of course, they were out for quite a long time, and injuries took their toll. Well, they did, didn't they? I mean, I think that at one point there was something like six starters out of the lineup, which is fairly unprecedented. Well, and I guess. I mean, we had. Phillips and Wilson both out there at one point, yeah. and it, it, it was last man standing. And, and, and again, let's take the positivity that it came down to the final possession. And there I said, I know there's conflict on this, but the umpire's call or lack of, sorry, the referee's call or lack of it on that final play. I mean, I know the NFL have come out and said, uh, no, there was no offensive um, uh, um, foul. On, yeah. uh, but 
um, one a, a retired senior NFL official said, "Yes, there was." Yeah. Now, if they, if they call, if they call on that, the touchdown is pulled back. It goes back the penalty yards, probably out of a field goal uh, yeah, range. 100%, of 10 seconds ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that's how close we were. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- I mean, let's talk about that. It's cool because that's the headline, isn't it? Everyone seems to be centering yeah. in on that, and it depends who you read. You know, I'm not big yeah. enough on the rules, quite frankly, to kind of say yay or nay. It was, it was a, a foul, or it wasn't. Um, it depends who you read. Some people say, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, respected people in the NFL. It was like absolutely, you know, because the argument is that it was Tony McRae that actually initiated contact, right? That was yeah. the reason why they didn't call it. It was, wasn't anything to do with whether it was kind of a yard outside the line of scrimmage. It was because Tony McRae initiated con- contact. Now, look, I've looked at mm. it over and over again. I think it's borderline, man. I think it's borderline. Yeah, I don't it, know. It's a slip-of-the-coin decision. Yeah. And therefore, again, a slip-of-the-coin decision was the difference between potentially winning yeah. and losing whilst still playing poorly in comparison mm. to what we're having and, and that's what we have to take from that and of course yeah. we, we move on to Kansas City which is quite an incredible uh, prospect <laughs> yes but, well, well, you know, incredible absolutely absolutely uh, terrifying prospect I think after the last couple of weeks I think well whatever the the bookies have the um, points over you go with it yeah right so if it's 55 I mean if it's 55 I would imagine it's probably 55 60 points um, plus, you go with it because that's going to be a shootout, just like the Falcons game was. Yeah. That's going to be a shootout. But isn't it isn't it heartening that we've because we've won some the close games this season against the Colts, yes, against the Ravens. Yes. Well, we we deserve to win that. It wasn't really a shootout, but certainly against you know obviously the Panthers were pretty but cool. It, but every fourth quarter we've come from behind. Uh, so we, it's kind of swings. Swings and roundabouts, isn't it? We didn't manage to do it, and that's a risky strategy, isn't it? That kind of leaving well, it's everything. Not a strategy, but but it, it just shows that we've got um, some character. Um, we didn't win the game, but mm. we came from behind in the fourth quarter when we had played poorly for at least two quarters before that. Yeah. But every every game has has been um, uh, we we come from behind and show show character in that way, and and compared to some of the. The Bengals incarnations we've had in the past, where you, where you at half time you're thinking, well, there's not going to be any um, uh, alterations here, and the second half is yeah. just going to drift away, and um, we are a far better side than we once were. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I still think there's there's no time to panic. You know, there's, we shouldn't panic, and yeah. even if we lose to Kansas City, we shouldn't panic. You know what I mean? I, I really don't. Yeah, but... I agree, but from four and one to four and three, the season takes a whole different. Yeah, absolutely. It becomes more, I mean, we've got the buy after that, and then yeah. is it Tampa Bay and Cleveland? no? We've got Tampa straight after the um, Kansas game, and then it's the buy. I think it's week nine, right. isn't okay. it? So yeah, um, let's get to some correspondence. Um, yeah. Uh, Brian Daly at Bass Daly. End of the day, it was all, always likely as we couldn't stop them moving the ball forward. Still a pretty positive display, though, in my opinion. I'm a newbie, though. Well, it doesn't matter whether you're a newbie or an oldie or a middly, <laughs> to be honest. That's no, a, you stay positive. That's, uh, don't be tainted by the Bengals yet, Brian. There's more of this to come throughout your lifetime, my friend. Um, yeah. But, yeah, stay positive. And you're absolutely right, Brian. You're absolutely right. There was a lot of positive things that happened yesterday. Um Dalton played a good game, I thought, under pressure. Tyler Boyd was excellent yet again. Bit worrying yeah. 
you know, some of the drops by AJ and certainly Cody Core, bless him, and that was that, crucial. It reminded me of the um, Ravens game, last game last season, where terrible weather yeah. and the Ravens dropped everything in the first half and we caught everything. Yeah. And I'm yeah. saying, well, look, the weather affects us, um, the same, both teams in the same way. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, AJ he dropped so many in that first, including AJ Green, who just doesn't do that. Yeah, and yeah. meanwhile, the Steelers caught everything except possible interceptions. Yeah, I agree. AJ had that drop. Cody Core had a really crucial drop on yeah. third down. That was bad. And uh, but, but what's happened to Malone? Was Malone unfit? Because I don't know. He is in Marv's doghouse. If Cody Core can get on the pitch, well, and keep on dropping them, I mean, I think he's dropped seven in a row going back to the last season. I it's think. Just Poor old Cody is uh, for the chop at some point. Um, And yet you get um, Smith catching that unbelievable... I think you got that right. You know, just unbelievable. I mean, whatever you think about it. I mean, the lad's got got talent. Uh, I mean, um, it's a pity he's in that that team, but the lad has got talent. And he came out of college... Um, with a reputation of being a little bit erratic, yeah. um, with a few drops in him, but he just doesn't show it. He just no, doesn't show it. He's he's actually done what Tyler Boyd has done on the Steelers this year. It's, it's sort of second, third year guy, really yeah. stepping up. Uh, really yeah. good compliment for Antonio Brown, but we're not here to talk about the Steelers. But Tyler Boyd's been excellent. He was superb yesterday. Yeah. And Dalton keeps going for him. Dalton keeps yeah. looking for him. Um, He's a, the especially the third down blanket. Yeah, absolutely. So Phil H at Bengal Blue Boy, lots of uh, high. Oh, hang on, can I just say if if I'm talking, I've got to say it. Go on. Solid angle. Solid. Oh, you more than welcome. It's a universal Thank phrase. You. I'm sure Nathan. Well, Weaver. You, I've got. If I'm on the show, I've got. I've got to use it. Absolutely, absolutely. Please just chip in with your solid handles, Pete. Come I'll, on I'll, now. I'll get, I'll get the I'll get the geezer in in, in a bit. <laughs> Uh, Phil H at Bengal Blue Boy hello Phil lots of hindsight complaints but bottom line is that we didn't implode for once and we would arguably have won uh, for the third and ten holding call on that incompletion Dre was right to call it a trash call two bad calls in the last second shouldn't define us we should be okay I agree with Pete on everything apart from I thought it was a blatant holding call by Dre and he had good coverage on him again and I don't know what he was doing Mm, not for sure Okay, but uh, but he's right. The correspondent is is right. Usually, uh, and the Steelers say that they don't play well against us, but we find a way of beating ourselves. Yes. This time we didn't. We did not implode. Yeah. It was the last possession. Uh, we left too much time on the clock. No criticism at all. You got to score when you score. Yeah. Um, but it, we did not implode. We did not beat ourselves. Absolutely. Uh, Dino and Jones at Word Sherbert. No reason to panic, but we do have to strongly regroup and refocus, obviously, to take on the Chiefs. Dre, too many penalties. Why, oh, why don't we run more, especially in the mizzle? Uh, injuries on D are obviously a worry. I was more worried about Pittsburgh than Kansas City. Still am. Um, again, there's some positivity. I'm I'm going to yeah. come to the not so positive ones in a moment, but uh, because obviously there's quite a few of those. Um, the, the, inter- the running game. He's right about the running mm. game. We needed to run more. But notice with Mixon that um, he frustrates in the first half. Yeah. Because he'll he'll get three yards of carry. He'll run into the back of his O line. 
but you've got to stick with him because when he breaks out the big runs, it's usually in the third or late in the fourth yeah. when it matters the most. And he'll finish a game with 80 or 90 yards on the ground yeah. because of those runs later in the game. So yeah. we just have to have patience with him. But it's an interesting point about Mixon. Why didn't we run him more? Because yeah. it connects to this whole issue of game management and clock management, which a lot of people have been talking about. Um, uh, Duncan Price at Dastardly Duncan. Hello, Duncan. Clock management, drop catches, missed inter- interceptions, and badly timed penalties all okay. cost us. If you can't do the basics consistently, it will catch up with you at some point. And our luck in these seesaw battles ran out this week. Uh, he's absolutely right. I think I can't. Uh, yeah. But the clock management, okay. A lot of people have been kind of saying we scored too soon. Uh, now I get it, um, but can you really choose when you can score no. a touchdown? Because you, <laughs> you, you know, you you have to kind of take the coverages that you get, and if the coverages are favourable, and you spot a weakness, then that you can exploit, then you've got to go for it, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's. Um, not a criticism. It's a fact. Yeah. We left too much time on the clock, but it's not a criticism. Yes. Personally, they were never going to use their timeouts, uh, as far as I'm concerned, when we were on that last drive. Yeah. I would have. There were a couple of times when I thought, let's run it. Let's take a little bit more time off. Let's leave in 45 seconds um, or, 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 or something like that. And the only time we did run it was actually Nixon touchdown. Yes. Um, so we could have done that, but you're right. Um, the two most impressive drives were the two-minute drills. Well, that's two right. Two minutes at the is... end of the first half, we, when we scored with Tyler Boyd, and two-minute two minute drill at the end of the, of the game. Yeah, absolutely. If it's, working, you, if it's working, you stick with it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and that's something we were absolutely terrible at last year, the, the one- and yeah. two-minute drills. And this year, we've been absolutely sensational. Um, it's can, just I, the... can I also make a point? The yeah, last two games... Um, one of my bugbears, the thing that really frustrates me about Marvin um, and Dalton, is they use timeouts at weird times of the uh, the, the, the game, yeah. and then they, so they don't have the timeouts uh, at the crucial times, which are the two minute drills. Yeah. Um, in the last two games against Dolphins, it was, they were spot on; they were perfect. They never used them where Dolphins had to mm. um, early on, and likewise yesterday they didn't. So we had our timeouts um, to help with that drive. Yeah, no, I, I, that's a constant criticism. The weird timeouts in the first quarter, second quarter, but yep. you know they just might—they just must see something that you know. What I'd rather them take a timeout if they're confused and they're going to have a botched play or you know bugger things up. I know it's a bit weird, but I think the key yesterday was I went through that. I last... Not in the first half. No, no I'd start to contradict you. In, in the first half, if you're on a drive, I'd rather have a five-minute, um, uh, sorry, five-yard penalty for right. um, delay of game. You're not going to lose you down. It's only an extra five yards, but you keep your time up when you need it. No, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, yes, um, but I guess these, I went through that last drive of ours when the mix and TD, and there were a couple of times during that drive where we snapped the ball with 15 seconds to go on the play clock, and really we should have been, sh- you know, using yeah. that play clock. I just said play cock, ladies and gentlemen. I do, I do apologise. Um, Sid James. Yes, exactly. Um, he, I do inhabit, or he inhabits the me sometimes, I'm afraid. But um, <laughs> <laughs> then that was a very Sid James laugh, I'm afraid, Peter. But uh, um, Let's but, pretend I meant it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's, it, I think they could have played the play 
clock better, you know? I think they could have yeah, shaved I mean, another 20, 20 seconds, seconds off. off right, two. you got it, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, it was very frustrating, wasn't it? So, I mean, looking yeah. forward to next week, uh, Pete, what what do you think? I mean, is it going to be a massacre? Shootout. Or do you think no, it's going to be not. a shootout? You think we're going to be able to stick with them, even with our defence, even with potential I mean, let's, injuries? Well, let's, look at the, let's look at the injuries. I mean, I haven't read up today um, whether or not the secondary, uh, how beat up they are. I know Jackson was struggling even before this game and he was struggling during the game. Yeah. If we've got our secondary out, um, our starters, we're, we're going to need them, let's put it that way. Yeah. The, the problem with the Falcons is you've got to pick your poison because Chiefs. you can't... Sorry, thank yeah. you, the Chiefs. You yeah. can't stop <laughs> Kelsey and... Um, Tariq Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we know quarterbacks, sorry, tight ends kill us. Yes. They did yesterday. And, 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 and so we're going to have to decide how we're going to defend. Yeah. We're going to have to defend one of them properly and just hope with the rest. But if our secondary um, are, are there, we showed signs that we can clamp down. All yeah. right, it didn't work out in the, in the end, but it showed signs. It started showing signs against the Dolphins. Yeah. But we've got to we've got to be able to move the ball. We've got to keep up with them. We've got to take our chances. Yeah, absolutely. It frustrated me against the Steelers. I know that Marv spoke about not wanting to get the ball away in that position. We're fourth and one uh, around the 41 yard line or something like that. That's another issue. It wasn't a, yeah, I mean that was it wasn't, another a field, big... it wasn't a field goal opportunity, but yeah, we've been good on struggling. We've been for, we've been good on fourth downs, good. right? You know and. And the offense, as you're right, uh, you're completely right. The offense has been our strength this year, really. The young modern coaches are attack-minded. Yeah. Um, the short, uh, short or and what have you, they're, they're attack-minded. They'll go for it. They don't mind. They, uh, yeah. they don't get it. Okay, yeah. so what? They'll back their defense to do it. Yeah. And, and that's what we should have done. Yes, I think you're right. There's a, been a lot of chatter asking why on earth Marvin didn't go for it on fourth and one at the, you know, around the Steelers' 40-yard line. There was another fourth and five within Steelers' territory. Surely that's almost yeah. as good as a punt, right? You've got to have a crack. Yeah. And we've been good at on fourth down this year. Um, yeah. But, Pete, anyway, um, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I say us, I I'm mean me. I'm looking forward to the meet-up in London uh, for the uh, the Tampa game. Good. Well, you're more than welcome. It'd be good to see you. And hopefully you're going to... Br- We're going to try and get We've, uh, Just a little uh, side tangent here. Me and Pete have been talking about uh, Apple Crumbles on Twitter today, entertainingly. Oh, yes. uh, for all our American listeners, that is the equivalent of a, an Apple Brown Betty. I think that's the closest thing to it. Um, and it's a big sort of warming autumn dessert here in the UK. And I had an absolute stonker on Sunday um, and Pete Pete you're a fan of the crumble what's your what's your favourite oh. filling right there oh um, you don't often get gooseberry crumble so that's perfect gooseberry crumble for Ooh. me it's not rhubarb okay and are you, <laughs> an, are, you <laughs> are you an oats on the top man in your crumble uh, or you're a naked man well um, I don't don't do custard on it Okay. Don't do custard at all. I quite like it with the oats. Yeah. Um, my family um, like it different ways, so I make it different ways. So, Well, there you go. Uh, before this turns into a cookery show, we will let Pete go. Um, Pete, thanks the, again. The great mate. British Bengal Bake Off. <laughs> Imagine. Hey, that's a great idea for a little charity event. I might have to I'm, I'm going to license that then. Okay, all right. Um, Pete, thanks a lot for joining us, mate. Good to talk You're to you welcome. as ever, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Good day. So that was Peter Dadswell, a.k.a. 
at Dadders on uh, Twitter. He's one of our sort of long-time correspondents. And uh, I keep saying it with correspondents like that because it's I can never figure out in my head whether it's correspondees or correspondents. But anyway, again, these are the weird things that I think about. Uh, he said a lot of interesting things about... Um, about the pass interference, the offensive pass interference that perhaps should have been called. But I think, you know, the thing with me is, or the issue is that we let over like 480 yards. You can talk about the the um, offensive pass interference non-call all you like, but what were we doing playing cover zero at a time like that? What were we doing giving up so many yards on the ground? What were we doing? giving up so many yards to tight ends yet again. I think that's the real issue. I think there's a real conversation to be had about Terrell Austin at the moment. I don't think he's had a blinder. He's been he's been kind of quite a risky coordinator in many ways, um, preaching turnovers and gambling everything. Uh, but certainly in the secondary, there's been con- some confusion over the weeks. There were, didn't, I didn't see too many... Um, botched or blown assignments in this game which is good but yeah man cover zero on that play i'm not sure um so that's uh that's a conversation to be had i think um right so i'm going to bring in my next guest um in the show and it is tim knowles you may remember tim who co-presented with us a little while back so we're going to bring him in again yes from northamptonshire it's tim knowles tim are you there I am. How are you, Paul? Very well, thank you, mate. It's great to hear from you. Um, you feeling a little. Bit... Am I feeling a little bit lonely with your little sidekick? Not with you. Yeah, a little bit. I have got a, a bottle of wine, um, and well, you were here the last time I drank a bottle of wine. You know what happened last time, so I am taking it easy. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's weird without Nathan, but it's also obviously a lot quieter, so I can talk to much more interesting, sensible people like you. So, um, <laughs> but we'll, yeah. try, we'll try to keep the swear count up if you want. If that's all right. right. Well, I'm using beeps now for the swears, so <laughs> if you've got any, they'll be beeped out. Don't worry. Um, I'll be surprised. So, <laughs> so what? I guess what the first question I asked Pete a little a little while ago. And your sort of first impression of the game, obviously it was a heartbreaking loss, but what was the what were the key things to that loss or even some positives that you, because there was plenty of positives in that game as well. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think we've, we've got, we've got a problem with how we, we deal with that particular opponent, um, whether it's from the fan base or whether it's from the playing base, we just don't seem to be able to, to kill a game and we don't seem to be able to control a game against the Steelers whenever we choose to. It wasn't long ago, maybe four or five years ago, you could genuinely say, yeah, we had their number and we seemed like we were on top, but we don't seem to at the moment. We seem to be just struggling for the, the killer blow. Yeah. Um, or the, the assurance to be able to sit there and go, right, we can put this to bed. Mm. Um, in terms of positives, yeah, I actually think there are a lot of positives and, and I had a little bit of a discussion last night via Twitter, which is a terrible platform for me at the moment. It's just a difficult place to be when you want to analyse anything objectively. Yeah. I just took a little snapshot and just slaughtered Marvin Lewis for, uh, or potentially the offence really, for, for, for making a play with yeah. 17 seconds on the shot clock. And I was like, you know, we went a minute and 18 seconds or whatever it was, left in the game, winning at home against the Steelers who are an yeah. arch rival. So all of the ups and all the downs, the game's in your hand. 
Now, I know they've been ravaged with injury in the game. Yeah. And I know that they've not stepped up all the way through the game. But to be honest with you, if somebody said to you before the game, I'll give you one minute and 15 seconds left and you're winning at home against the Steelers, you'd have taken it. Yeah. If somebody said to you at the start of the season, you'd be 4-1 and one, and you'd be winning against the Steelers to go 5-1 and one with a minute to go, you'd have taken it. Mm. And we seem to be terribly quick to criticise and terribly quick to, to analyse what goes wrong. But sometimes we don't actually look back and go, this team's not bad. Mm. Like they're, they're even banged up, they're not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on the, on the last drive, you know, one arguably silly decision for a penalty just keeps them in momentum on second or third down when they're deep in their own half. Yeah. We don't give away that different dynamic. You know, one decent pass to Juju Smith-Schuster... You don't pull that off. You defend that better. You've won the game. Yeah, yeah. And there's the big long discussion to be had, which I suspect you'll be having or have had with others tonight around whether it's offensive pass interference on the touchdown that wins the game. Well, you well take, I think it's you go. There's three discussion points to be had to say if they if they go differently, we win the game. Yeah, it's on and a then, knife edge, isn't it? Those things are on a knife edge. All three of them, really, because I thought Dre's holding. I mean, to me, that was a defensive holding. No, every day of the week, but. A lot of people are saying it was borderline. The the kind of Antonio Brown touchdown, the so-called pick or rob block or blatant offensive pass play. interference, you know, that was on a knife edge. I've been looking at it over and over. Did Tony McRae initiate contact? I'm not sure. I, 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 it was, it's, it's a knife edge decision for me, you know? They're all fine margins, aren't they? Yeah. This is, but there the, the tends to be, whenever, whenever we lose, there's an overwhelming swell of negativity and there's this yeah. diarrhea that's just spouted out about individuals or people in positions of of management. And, and I'm like, you lot couldn't dream of doing that job mm. or analysing the outcomes of if, here, there and everywhere. Yeah. And yet, but it, you know, if we win that, they all shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just think sometimes it's better to be away from it every minute of every second of every game and, yeah. and just at what, a little bit more objectively and say actually we're not in bad shape and if I'm not trying to sound like Marvin Lewis would be all chill and composed about everything but I don't mind a bit of fire and brimstone at times but there are times when we've got to look around and go they're not bad at all no, we've no. got some stuff fine and I'd say the one, the one positive for this entire season is Tyler Boyd yeah I mean fantastic wept He's got glue on his fingers. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, when others around him yesterday, including AJ, that were dropping a few balls as well, yeah. uh, you look at Dalton now, he's actually looking at, at Boyd a lot and he's just sort of, as Pete said earlier, his third down kind of blanket, you know what I mean? So, yeah. amazing. But I, w I wanted to ask you, Tim, because you are, uh, you know, I, I know you a little bit and you are fascinated. You're a, you know, you play sports yourself, so you're in dressing rooms and you know the kind of, the dynamics in, in dressing rooms and all that kind of stuff. We're going to get to our correspondents, uh, uh, corresponders again. Um, and you're interested in the, in the psychological side of sports. And this is a good question, I think. Ollie Iverson yeah. on our Facebook page. Uh, hello, Ollie. How are you doing? Uh, at this point, not a revolutionary thought, but how will they ever get over their mental block that is those pesky Steelers? Ben is now, what, 13 and 2 against us? This hurts even more yeah. as we could have ended their season. He's right on that last ball. Not necessarily ended. I think they will come strong again if this doesn't kick them off uh, on a mad run. I don't know. But um, the point is mental blocks and and seeming 
what some people will call a curse, some people will call a jinx, some people, you know, it you would they would say that um we are the Steelers bunnies, you know. Uh but really it's just, it seems like a mental block with the Steelers. Um what's your take on all and how can you get rid of that, do you think? Um so I mean I, I think the first answer to your question is a short one, which is yes, I think there is an issue. There is clearly an issue. Um, we don't seem to have the mental courage, yeah. um, whether it be from, from coaching or decisions or or whatever during a game, to be able to sit there and, and put the game to bed um, yeah. against Steelers. They have absolutely got our number in, uh, and this is going to be full of cliches, obviously, this conversation. Um, <laughs> it's difficult not to be, but... But in, in art, the harder part of that question to answer is, like, what do you do to break that curse? What do you do to stop it? Um, yeah. I, I, think, I think, ultimately, maybe I sound like I agree with people like Marvin Lewis here, is that you've got to approach it as if it doesn't matter, even though yeah. it's itching away in the back of the brain. You've got to play the game the way that the game presents itself to you. You've got to have faith in your philosophy. And that's, to me, that's a huge thing. Um, the philosophy of how you want to play, and, and American football is quite difficult to get a style of play out there because actually it's around about skill and, and really it's about the cat and mouse and the choices made from play calling that really mm-hmm. defines your philosophy. Yeah. But we've got to sit there and go, this is the way we are. Now, you can look at motivationally saying, well, I want someone like Sean McVeigh um, or I want Kirk Cousins screaming and shouting at all of my players before a game because it's a lovely soundbite and it makes you look like you've you got yourself revved up and you're going you're gonna to make the difference. But there's lots of different ways that people are motivated um, or, or not motivated. And there's lots yeah. of other ways to get them to actually win that game, to turn the corner. And, and, and for my mind, it is about application. It's about trying, with the support of yourself or others, and take the England football team in the World Cup, playing the way that you've been told to play. Block everything else out, you know, however that has to happen. But have faith and trust in the way that you're going to go and play and apply what you've been told to do. Mm. And if you look at yesterday, you know, there's a particular Carlos Dunlap bats down a pass. Yeah. You know, bounces off two different people, and it lands in Ben Roethlisberger's hands. Mm. And in this sport, you apply yourself the way he applies himself on every single play. On another day, on another game, in another situation, that lands in somebody else's hands in stripes. Yeah. And we're away. And we've had it last week, you know, two pick sixes. Yeah. Um, they really have just landed in our hands. And I've, I think that emphasises the point, which is you don't actually have to do anything different. No. What you can't do is try and force the change. So, you, if, so you think we're, forced, we're trying to force it against the Steelers? It's become almost too big a thing. Well, I, I, let's take, you know, I appreciate it's a very minuscule element. But take the Drake Patrick five-yard penalty on the last drive yesterday. He doesn't need to do that. No, it was good coverage. He was in good coverage against the, the guard. Well, right? and that's saying about sometimes just pushing a bit too hard and being a bit too overzealous and a bit too keen mm. sometimes destroys actually what you're trying to achieve, which is showing that you want to do something different to win it. Don't. Yeah. They're good enough, actually, individually and collectively, to not have to go and force and press it. And there's one thing that frustrates me more than anything else about watching the Bengals is invariably when we've got that momentum, that one thing that you can't buy or coach. Yeah. We give it away. We always give it away by being overzealous because we actually end up giving away a penalty or we drop yeah. 15 yards, make a clumsy decision. And it happens to us an uncanny amount of times. And I just think that is something that the team can arguably focus on is the mental application bit, which is yeah. stop being emotional. 
Mm. And then if they maybe do that, then maybe taking the emotions. Like I think Ben Roethlisberger said before the game, he said, I just want a normal game. Yeah. Like, and that's his point, which is just focus on playing instead of all the, the chaos that goes with it. And you can see it with people like when Pac-Man was there and Vontaze Berthold were there in the dreaded game in 2015. Mm. It was all emotional. It wasn't tactical. It wasn't physical. It wasn't wasn't the coach. It wasn't the calmness of the guy on the sideline or the, the yeah. blood out of his veins. It's because we made emotional decisions as players because we were overexcited. And mm. how do you try and... I think that's the question. How do, you, how do you try to maintain control over the chaos yeah. that is the violence in the sport? And you can't take the edge off of people like that. No. That would be foolish. But how, time, how, how, do, how do you focus that? How do you direct it correctly, right? That's, that's the big skill, I think. That's the big coaching skill, actually. How do you... And for the most part, they do all right. But again... The Steelers have just become such a thing. And, and then we've got another couple of questions here uh, that kind of leads on from that and from what you were saying, uh, mentioning one player in particular, Michael McGarren. Hello, Mike, at MedWriter. Mike, is there anyone who isn't sick of Burfick's lack of composure? Yet another wholly unnecessary cheap shot, this time for him to be shown the door, in my opinion. Also, the clock management was unforgivably blah. We've talked about the clock, clock. I keep saying cock instead of clock. What is wrong with me? <laughs> Jesus. I hope you'll be beeping that out. <laughs> oh, my God. What a disaster. Half a bottle of wine and that's it. I've got cocks coming out of my mouth. Um, right. But, yeah, there is a serious point there. And I think uh, we and Nathan talked about it earlier on in the year that, you know, there's lots of there was lots of goodwill Devontae's, even though he is obviously a little bit of a, a loose cannon on the field and does some daft things, but I got the impression this year that, that the kind of scales were balancing a lot more. There were a lot more kind of people starting to become a bit sick and tired of his antics than there used to be, and I do think there is that now. And Houday um, at Flix King. Burfitt can go. We don't need him. We need an LB that can disrupt tight ends. And, you know, they're fair points, man. They are fair points. And I think time waits for no man as well. You know, you, you've got a guy who's been, he's been with the Bengals for what, seven years, six or seven years yeah. now, maybe? Yeah. You know, he's not going to be the, the fittest, the youngest, the brightest, the, the strongest for long. Um, he has got Brimstone in him that's uncontrollable at times and, and there is you, as a team player you want people like that to, to generate that swell of energy around you yeah. sometimes they can be the best out of others even though they might have a poor game and you can see that in some sports where you just mm. you need that guy um, however it, he's um, he's a pretty reckless character at times I just don't think he's technically better than others that are in that squad now and yeah. I don't think it'll be because of his emotions or because of his violence that he stays or goes, it's because he's probably not going to be the best player in that position. Mm, that's a really good point, I think, because we have, even though Marvin doesn't seem to invest heavily in linebacking positions, like uh, what I mean by that is, you know, high picks in the draft, but the the quality does seem to be better than it was, although, they, uh, you know, there's still problems with covering underneath, I think. So, but yeah, I mean... I don't know about Vontaze. I mean, that was a bit of a cheap shot to Antonio Brown yesterday. And, and reports are coming out today that from Ben Roethlisberger, obviously, so let's take that with a pinch of salt, mm-hmm. that uh, after he kind of administered a bit of a smack to the back of the head uh, on Antonio Brown, he lined up and pointed to uh, Juju saying that you're next 
kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, I mean, that's going to get picked up on, isn't it? Because he has got a reputation. and that's... The, the, There are times in, in when I've played sport where you love that. Not not the kind of like the targeting of an individual, but no. you love the fact that you've got a, a couple of guys on your team that will protect everybody and they stand for a set of morals and they will go through a brick wall for you. There are other times when it utterly dismantles your team and 15 yards or the wrong time to give away a penalty or the momentum swing in, in American football is absolutely critical. And we've got too many players, whether it's from a technical or from an emotional point of view, just do that too often. And it, and it just becomes a bit of a broken record for your team. And there are other times when you just go... I'm sick of you because you're killing us. Yeah. And, and I said the same about Drake Patrick. Every single time I see us get burned from an emotional lapse or someone that's had an easy ride in, it's always a scheme that breaks down and he always seems to be there. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't find that uncoincidental. I just think... It, I, it, I don't find it coincidental. Mm. I just think that we've got, we've got a couple of weak links in the chain yeah. and that's one of the big concerns. In, the, in a game where every position and every space you cover matters, you can't have it. No. And if there's anything that's proved, it's got to be whether it's the coaching or the, the sharpness around the relationship with these guys. But mm. but I, I am I've been in Vontae's Burfitt's camp forever. Mm. But I'm now at the point. It's like actually, I just want the best players that are on the pitch. That's interesting. Um, and I think that he he can be as disruptive as he can be um, influential. Um, Chris Wood, I'm just going to ask you this finally, Tim. Um, Chris Wood at Hooday CP. Um, Kirkpatrick, is he costing us too many penalties and points? Um, now, I ask you that. It's almost a rhetorical question because I saw some of your tweets <laughs> yesterday and I'm sure you've calmed down a little bit. But um, And you mentioned a little bit about a few weak links in the chain and I'm guessing that you think that Dre is one of those weak links at the moment. That wouldn't be a revolutionary yeah. thought, right? But, you know... Yeah, I, I don't think that's news to most people. Um, uh, what I do think as well is that sometimes you can have players that statistically perform poorly but actually do very well for your team. Yeah. Then you've got players that actually don't do particularly well for your team and are also statistically poor. So then it becomes a really easy discussion. And statistically, he is poor. Mm. Um, so coupled with the fact that... I think it's not necessarily the, the penalties. I don't mind again to go back to the same point. I don't mind people being on the edge and being close to what um, Austin is trying to achieve, you know, with being big playmakers, ones that take risks, they want to make some the the, the, the difference to make big plays. I get that spirit. It's always him, though. Yeah. It's in there him that is involved in the decision. Just when we need composure or when we need the momentum to be sustained, you know, or the pressure to be kept on, on third down, it's always, let's target Dre, and it's always that poor lad who is the one that's on the receiving end of it. Yeah. And that that's not a coincidence, you know, that there's a pattern of play that he's been targeted. Now, that's the, the real challenge is have you got the depth behind that to put other people in position to say, well, in that case, can I target the new light, yeah. the new lad? Yeah. The one thing I'll just go back to, which summarises the point around Dre, it summarises Vontae's perfect, it summarises the conversation around the psychology in sport. When, um, when one of my best friends asked to meet um, Tom Wood, the England international rugby player that, that lives just down the road from me, he wanted to interview him because he was doing his UEFA A coach's licence. Right. Um, and he wanted interview somebody else from a different sport from an elite level and say you know what from a coaching point of view can you do to deal with like motivation mm. to deal with like the different edge bits around what's the what's going to make the difference beyond the physicality yeah and there's two things that are really interesting to remember from that conversation the first is what they call the social corner mm -hmm. so a lot of the psychologists in sport now focus the coaching and the environment around where they coach and where they train 
to what they call the social quarter. So there's four elements to the, the, the pattern. And ultimately, they're all about now trying to get each individual to be part of the social network within the club. So whether they have team socials, whether it's team bonding type cliches, yeah. it's a critical element of trying to get them to a point where they'll do more for each other rather than individually. Right. And then on the opposite, on the opposite side of it is around the psychology to trust the man next to you. Uh-huh. So certainly in rugby terms, which is very similar in rugby football, the whole philosophy around how they set it tactically, technically, defensively, is focused around trusting the man next to you because the whole chain breaks if you don't trust him. Mm. You move out of your position or you move out of your coverage, in particular in the secondary in NFL, if you don't trust the man next to you to do the job he's been asked to do, you can't do yours. And if you don't do yours, then he's not going to trust you either. Mm. So it is absolutely hinge, a linchpin around trust in the man next to you. And that also comes from that social corner. So I think to answer all the questions around individuals and collectively, what can they do better, is go out on the piss. You know, right. Be mates. Right. Be rather individuals in a very individual team sport yeah. is to try and create something that gives them a bond that says I, I know you character wise and as a friend to go through that a little bit more but make sure I can trust you to do your job mm. and I think that, that can that can only and it helped with the England football team you yeah. can see that in the World Cup this year they were absolutely mates even if they don't know each other don't play for the same club might not even have anything in common but you could tell they were forced into being friends Yeah, and I think it makes a difference well, I'd like to see a night out with Vontaze Perfect down the dog and duck one night. That's for sure. That uh, that would be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> right. Um, one last question. Um, you are obviously uh, uh, a good guy for us and the Bengals UK group. Um, uh, what's happening with your own podcast? Because a lot of people will want to know. Um, you, the Tim and Tom <laughs> podcast, is that happening again? Or you've had a bit of a a break and a hiatus. Um, what's it, happening with that? Yeah, we, um, to be honest, we, we packed it up yeah. towards the end of, of last year, so probably around January, February time. I think just after the Super Bowl, we said, look, we've just had enough. Um, and there's, there's, there's two main reasons for it. Oddly enough, they're not my reasons. Um, the first is that Tom um, has just had a baby. Yeah. And he's quite an intense kind of character. So when he's into something, he's into it. He's obviously got a child now, so he should be into that for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, so he's, him and his wife have been, they've been waiting quite a long time for that to happen. We couldn't tell anybody, but it was quite, second five or six years to have a baby and they've, they've, they've had some um, bumps along the way. Mm. So that's quite an important focus for him, which is I just don't want to be away at the moment from, from this situation. Mm. So that was the primary reason. Um, but the secondary reason was, was that actually, Tom is a police officer, yeah. um, and that adds to this conversation. It's not like a random statement, but he's he's kind of like got a very strong opinion on freedom of speech, yeah. on kind of like the morality of, of how the world should work. Um, he is the, the honest, most honest guy I've ever met in my life. Yeah, and the whole Colin Kaepernick scenario, uh, the, the you know the, the silent protest and the way that the NFL has responded, closed its doors. The the owners have become a bit unified. They've booted a guy out. You know, they've almost pretty much just battered people into submission in this particular subject matter. It was really upsetting. And I think that he's he's actually sitting there going, well, I don't, I don't love the sport and I don't love the badge and the brand as much as I used to because I thought that they were all about the freedoms and the spirit of what the law should protect from individuals' yeah. rights to protest and the deeper meanings and issues behind what Colin Kaepernick was protesting about. Mm. Um, that's genuinely taken a bit of the love out of the sport for oh, him. That's interesting, um, man. That's interesting. 
couple, couple of those two things together, and it was it was really the right time to say, I think we're done here. Yeah. Um, however, um, he did send me a message after the birth of his child saying yeah. that he watched every minute of everything on Red Zone last Sunday. Yeah. And he left a dot, dot, dot at the end of the message, and I said, well, maybe we should talk about that one day. Yeah. Um, and he said, good. So we may we may well come back and do a bit of a special, but I don't know how we'd structure it. I don't know what we'd talk about. It's been too long. Too much has gone on. And there's, it's almost like it's a, if we were to do it, it would be to, to, to rebirth it on the basis that there's right. a lot of players yeah. we've not analysed, not known, we've not understood, we've not pretended to work out who they are and what mm. they're doing. Mm. There'd be a bit of a fresh start if we did. But I think it might be kind of like one of those Christmas birthdays and bar for specials type feel. <laughs> um, and, we'll, and we'll just take, take it from there. But yeah, there, there was nothing animosity, there was no problem with it. It was just yeah. the right time, I think. Well, there you go. We've got an exclusive um, for all you guys. I know that a lot of the Bengals UK guys really love your podcast, so I think they'll be uh, heartened and will add to the kind of banishing the negativity that there might be some Tim and Tom on the way at some point uh, sprinkled across you know the next year or so or the last next couple of months. Who knows? Because it is Christmas in a couple of times, Tim. So it is indeed. Um, it is. And it's who? If someone wants to find out more, if someone has listened to this and think, Tim and Tom, what's all that about? Who, What can they follow on Twitter just to keep up with any news? And obviously, we'll, yeah. we'll be retweeting anything that you retweet as well, obviously. So. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, so it's, it's Tim and Tom NFL uh, yeah. on Twitter. We've got a Facebook page, which is exactly the same. Um, yeah. It has been static for a while. I, I posted something on it a couple of weeks ago saying, you know, are these mics working? Um, which <laughs> yeah. garnered a bit of response. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's not on there at the moment. But if people want to, you know, they can jump on there. They can find the links to the to, to the previous podcast from yeah. a good three or four years or so. So there's plenty of stuff to catch up on. I don't listen back to them now. They're almost cringeworthy sometimes. When you <laughs> listen back to your own voice two years later. Yeah, it's terrible. You and me both, mate. Don't worry about that. But it's all good. But yeah, so yeah, um, but yeah, we will we'll, we'll, we'll most probably bang on some headphones um, before the new year. I'm sure. Good, that's really good to hear. Um, Tim, Tim Knowles, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for keeping me company in my lonely room. I uh, hope to Pleasure. see you very soon. And, um, yeah, and we'll uh, hopefully the Bengals can get back on track. No, I think we're all right. I think uh, as a closing gambit, we are in very, very good shape. We're in better shape than we thought. And it's, it's time to turn the negatives into positives, actually, because four and two, we'd have snapped anyone's and off six games in before the season started. Mm. No, amen to that, mate. Amen to that. Tim, thanks a lot, mate. I'll see you soon. Good to speak to you. Cheers, Paul. Well, that was our old chum, Tim Knowles, and before that, Peter Dadwell. Thanks very much for those two for joining me tonight in uh, in this very deserted and slightly eerie sewing room, which isn't a sewing room, but still is to me. Um and you know, it's I find the fast the psychological aspect of sport fascinating. So Tim was absolutely perfect for that, um, and he had some very interesting thoughts about you know if there's a weak link in the chain. And it was interesting actually because I was watching, like many of you, I'm sure, were watching, rewatching over and over again that uh, Tony McRae, um non-call uh, on the Antonio Brown touchdown, and you did see. Uh, William Jackson sort of screaming at him to to kind of either take a different angle or whatever because he could kind of see what was going on saying all that he didn't quite make up the ground to to tackle Antonio Brown so Tim's point of kind of trusting those those links in the chain um, you could see that they they kind of weren't um, 
yesterday, which is slightly worrying, isn't it? And especially if we have the injuries uh, against Kansas City, because really, how are you going to stop Mahomes? How are you going to stop Tyreek Hill? How are you going to stop, you know, Travis Kelsey, all those guys? However, we'll see. We will see. Uh, Next week's another week, and we are not a bad team. That's important to remember, I think. However, there are a few things that... um, do need discussing, I think, why Bill Lazor more or less abandoned Joe Mixon, especially on that kind of final drive. Um, Also, the clock management yet again. Um, Why we punted uh, in Pittsburgh territory on two fourth downs, uh, fourth down and one. So, you know, there's lots of things to discuss, and I think Jamie said last week, actually, there's, we seem to fix some problems, and then the next week, another bunch appears, you know. Um, but, you know, it's not doom and gloom. The way we, even though we didn't play fantastically well, the offensive line had issues, the defensive line had issues, we couldn't stop the tight ends, James Connor had a good game, uh, we couldn't get to Roethlisberger. We stood toe-to-toe with them, and it only took... Uh, you know, a last-minute drive to beat us. So uh, even with all those injuries, even with all those kind of problems during the game, uh, we did stand toe-to-toe. And let's hope we can stand toe-to-toe next week against Kansas City. Um, Well, I hope that's not been too bad. I hope I've not been a complete idiot. Uh, I'm about three-quarters of a bottle of wine in. Um, I'm not going to talk any more because I don't want to get the word play clock mixed up with the other word that I was saying earlier, so apologies about that. <laughs> um, Nathan, oh, I'm touching wood and I'm I'm hoping my old chum Nathan will be back in the sewing room that's not the sewing but still is the sewing room uh, next week. He'll be full of tall tales, no doubt, um, about his trip to LA. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, I must remind you about uh, our meetup, which is on the 28th of October in London Town, in the district of Highbury and Islington, at the Brew House and Kitchen. We're upstairs in their function room, which is called uh, the Tap Room. We have a massive screen. I'm genuinely, that's not a, an exaggeration, it is a massive screen. Uh, and we're going to be showing the Bengals Buccaneers uh, game live. And that actually could be a crucial game because, you know, let's face it, I think we're pretty heavy underdogs this week against the Chiefs. So it could be likely that we'll be four and three. Uh, so the Bucks game going into that bye as a chance to go five and three and um, getting our season back on track again. Um, so do come down. We've got the room to, uh, from five until 10 o'clock that night. So do come down. It's great fun. Nathan be back and having it large and giving it large and living it large and all that kind of large stuff. Um, a few other people will be there and uh, we're hoping lots of people will be there actually because uh, it's fantastic fun. I, I went to the Seattle pub on Friday night and again, you know, my mate who was a, is a diehard Seattle fan was just, you know, the most excited I think I've ever been him. I've ever seen him because it's that thing where you're in a room with Bengals fans. You're no longer watching on a laptop at home on your own. You're in a room full of Bengals fans. It is the most surreal, exciting, fun thing because you're talking about Bengals stuff and people aren't looking at you as if you're a madman, you know? You mentioned the Bengals in your day-to-day 
job at work or whatever and people don't know what you're talking about uh but you suddenly find yourself in a room full of Bengals fans how cool is that even if it is me I do apologize in advance um you can get in contact with us at whoday underscore uk uh on twitter and you can also get in touch with us on facebook uh just by typing in Bengals uk uh it's not the cat page there is a Bengals UK cat page unfortunately um it is obviously uh, our logo with a union jack so do uh do get in touch do say hello and um we'll endeavor to say hello back uh but until next week uh it's a who day from me and thanks for listening and it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organization <laughs>